Power in Weakness Part 2. Now, if you remember, two weeks ago, we had Part 1, right? So, will there be a Part 3? Well, I can speak for that unhandsome pastor that there won't be any Part 3. There, there are only two messages for the English service on this theme, Power in Weakness. But actually, I have prepared 10 different messages on this theme. How come? Actually, last year when we come up with a new church theme, right? The church theme is Empowered and Trust and Large. The Lord impressed upon me to preach on this theme, Power in Weakness, based on the word Empowered. So throughout this year, until now, I have already spoken nine messages. Three each in the Mandarin service and in Songhai Long, and two in the Cantonese service. Two weeks ago, I have spoken one here, and today's message is the tenth and the last in the series. And all of these are on our church YouTube channel, First AGKL or First AGKL English. So, now let's go into the Bible. Lately, I discovered that the Bible contains many contradictions. Do you know that? Do you know that your Bible has many contradictions? You don't seem to believe me. No? My Bible has many contradictions. But my Bible and your Bible should be the same, right? Only different versions. Never mind. Let me show you some examples. Okay, so one by one. The Bible says, the first, uh, the last will be first and the first will be last. If you are first, how can you be last? You last, how can you be first? You said, isn't this a contradiction? Saving life by losing, uh, let me see what, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will save it. Saving life by losing it. You lose your life. You're already mati, right? So how to save hmm? your life? How to be alive again? Next one. A grain of wheat must fall to the ground and die, then it makes many seeds. That means dying in order to live. If the seed has already died, how can it produce, how can it produce many seeds? Next. You were set free from sin and be came the slaves of righteousness. Free. Slaves are not free. So you are free already. How can you become a, to, to, to free to become not free anymore? Right? Next one. You need to become a fool to be truly wise. Foolish and wise. They are diametrically opposite. 
Again, another contradiction. One more. Give freely and become more wealthy. If you give, means you lose. So how can you gain more? Last one. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When you are so weak, how to be strong? True or not? Are these contradictions? But actually, these contradictions has a, have a name. These are called paradoxes. So let's look at what it means by a paradox. A paradox is a seemingly absurd or contradictory statement or proposition which, when investigated, may prove to be well-founded or true. So, what I have listed, they are actually true, right? They are from the Bible. But they look contradictory. Now, since our church theme is empowered and trust and enlarge, and you have the word empowered there. And one of the meaning of the word, one of the meanings of the word empowered is to be given authority or given power. So we will look today at the last paradox that we have just now. Weak yet become strong. So therefore, the main title of the, today's message is Power in Weakness, Strength to Face Anything based on Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Now, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 is one of the most popular verses in the Bible. Haven't been printed on millions of keychains. Do we have a keychain with this verse? or a t-shirt, or a coffee mug. Very popular. And it is often taken to mean that Christ will give me the strength to do whatever I desire. Of course, to do for Jesus, right? Particularly for Him. And to achieve success. But it is also one of the most misunderstood, misused, and misinterpreted Bible verse. Almost all the commentaries that I went through caution against misinterpretation of this verse. So, let's examine how we ought to interpret this verse and how this verse spells out power in weakness. Now, instead of the more common translation which says, I can do all things or I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me, the following Bible versions seem to give the closer meanings. So let's look at some of this. In the contemporary English version, it says, Christ gives me the strength to face anything. In the GNT, <clears throat> I have the strength to face all conditions by the power that Christ gives me. And then in the common English Bible, I can endure all these things through the power of the one who gives me strength. 
In the Phillips translation, I'm ready for anything through the strength of the one who lives within me and the message, whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. Now, let's read the context of Philippians 4.13 from the contemporary English version. Philippians 4.10-13 The Lord has made me very grateful that at last you have thought about me once again. Actually, you were thinking about me all along, but you didn't have any chance to show it. I am not complaining about having too little. I've learned to be satisfied with, or get by on, whatever I have. I know what it is to be poor or to have plenty, and I have lived under all kinds of conditions. I know what it means to be full or to be hungry, to have too much or too little. Christ gives me the strength to face anything. Thank you. Now, I prefer this version because it says strength to face anything. One of the meanings given of the word face in its word form, a word form by the Cambridge Dictionary is this. Face means to deal with a difficult situation. So in the biblical context of Philippians 4.13, Paul was not aspiring to achieve success in certain ventures that he was trying to undertake. Maybe he, uh, he tried to plant churches, 100 churches throughout Europe. Or maybe he wants to plant a church in far away Spain. At that, at that time, it's far away. Now, he was not trying to undertake these ventures. The context of the passage tells us that Paul was facing unpleasant and difficult situations. That's why I prefer the word face, to face unpleasant and difficult situations. And he had to deal with these situations. He was experiencing something painful and distressing. And Paul says, he needed the strength of the Lord to endure, to see him through not only the unpleasant and difficult situations that he was facing at that time, but also all, all sorts of such situations ahead of him. So you can imagine, Paul was facing difficulties at that time. But he didn't say, Oh, I need the strength of the Lord to face these things. No. All things, he said. All, that means, includes difficulties that he envisages in the future. Now, what unpleasant and difficult situations or conditions did Paul have in mind when he talks about facing or enduring all things or anything? What kind of Difficulties right, he was facing, that he, 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 he uttered this, uh, uh, this verse in Philippians 4.13. Okay, let's look at the first one. The first difficulty is enduring adversity. 
adversity or the opposite of prosperity. So it's something bad, something not good. And this adversity mentioned here is deficiency or deprivation. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 12 says, Paul says he was satisfied, he was content with whatever the Lord gave him or wherever the Lord placed him. Philippians 4, 14 to 17, which we are not going to read, All right, but let me tell you the background. Here it says that Paul, Paul says he did not crave for financial help. He did not say, oh, I'm not satisfied with what I have now. Oh, I want more money. I need financial support. No, he didn't do that. But somehow, money came his way from the Philippines. But he didn't reject the offer. He didn't say, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay. No need, no need, no need. He did not reject the offer. He was grateful for the offer of financial help from the Philippines. And he was full of praise and gratitude. Not so much for the financial help. He was glad, not so much because, oh, now I have money, I, I, uh, I can have a, a, a better situation now. He was praiseful and grateful because the Philippians showed concern for him. He was glad that, oh, these Philippians, they were loving, they love God and they love me, they show concern for me by giving me this offering. And he was glad that these Philippians, by their giving, they are storing up treasures in heaven. Their, their bank account in heaven has more value now. So he was glad for that. So, this shows that he, he was not at first very dissatisfied with his uh, financial situation and when money comes, it, it came, he, he, he was so glad. But he said, I am content with whatever situation I am in. Now, to be content, to be satisfied in whatever situation is not easy, right? Especially when you are in need, when you have Shortage, we have, you have deficiency. It makes you feel weak and vulnerable. All right, I'm sure some of you would have, many of you would have uh, been in a situation where there is money not enough, right? Very seldom is money got enough. Is money not enough? So are you satisfied with that, right? Of course not. It is unpleasant and unbearable. So being discontented, being dissatisfied when you are in need, when you are in deficiency is understandable. But then Paul says, uh, whether I am in need or whether I, am, whether I have plenty, I am content. Well, can someone harbor discontent when, when someone is in plenty or in prosperity? 
Where you have no money, of course you are dissatisfied. But when you have all that you want, can you still be dissatisfied? Dissatisfied? Can or not? Well, you have all you want, why still dissatisfied? Ah, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 11 tells us, the richer you are, the more mouth you have to feed. And all you gain is the knowledge that you are rich. I live in a townhouse. I'm not well-to-do, so I'm satisfied with that. But if I become very, very filthy rich, of course, I wouldn't be satisfied with living in a townhouse, right? Surely, I would want a palace-like bungalow. But then, if I live in a palace-like bungalow, I need workers and maids to keep the place clean. I need a gardener to tend the, my plants. I need a technician to maintain the swimming pool. I need a chauffeur to drive me around. So, more mouths to feed. And of course, the utilities bill will be very high, right? Now, I only drive a bazaar. But when I'm rich, of course, I would be satisfied with, I no pickup one. I would want a Lamborghini, Bugatti, Audi. All at once. But of course, these are gas guzzlers, right? You have to pay more for the petrol, for maintenance. One tire costs you a bomb. Right? Ah, now I have one wife, satisfied. But in my rich, I'm tempted to keep some mistresses and concubines, right? Again, more mouths to feed, right? So, that's why the richer you are, the more mouths you have to feed. So, your wealth will never be able to meet your demands. So, even if you are in plenty in prosperity, you will still be dissatisfied. And so Paul says, right, whether in prosperity or adversity, whether in hunger, in need, or in plenty, he feels, sati feels satisfied. He is content. And Paul says he has to learn to be content. Right? It's not natural. It's that to learn to be content in every situation. And he needs the strength of Christ to do that, to be content in all kinds of adversity. But Paul, by the strength of Christ, is able to endure deficiency and deprivation. We find that he suffered loss of freedom. You can read this in Acts chapter 28, verse 16, that he was in prison. In fact, when he was writing the book of Philippians, he was in prison. And then, lack of financial support. So, that's why the Philippians 
offer to help him financially. And then, in 2 Corinthians 11, there is a description of all his lack, lack of safety, of sleep, of food and clothing. Yet, despite of all this deficiency and deprivation, he has the strength to endure, he remains content. The next type of adversity that Paul had faced. Next one. Difficulties and distress. Now let's read two portions of the scriptures from 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 to 9. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. We think you ought to know, dear, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we are expected, expected to die, but as a result, we stop relying on ourselves and learn to rely only on God, who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. So in these two passages, Paul says he met with a lot of troubles, and he was able to endure tremendous pressure and suffering by the power of God. God gave him strength to endure without complaining. There was no mention of any complaints by Paul. No buckling and no quitting. He continued to preach the gospel despite all these difficulties and distress. And God was with him and saw him through by his power. So we find that Paul met with def deficiency and deprivation and difficulties and distress. Yet, he was able to endure and keep on working for God, serving God, because he has the power of God in him to sustain him, to see him through. Now, there is a second Difficult situation that Paul had to endure. Let's look at the second one. Now let me ask you this question. How did Paul land himself in such a predicament of deficiency and deprivation? How come he became so poor, so lack of financial uh, support, how come he met with so much troubles? 
Did he ask for this trouble? Now, he was in such a predicament because he obeyed the Lord's call and committed himself to his Christian duty of preaching the gospel. Right on the road to Damascus, Jesus Christ revealed to him his call that he wanted Paul to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. So, Paul put in all his effort, all his life into this duty. So, this tells us that the application of Philippians 14 may be extended to the discharge of our Christian duty. Right? Paul met with, met with uh, deficiency and difficulties because he preached the gospel. Now, look at what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2. Keep on working to complete your salvation and do it with fear and trembling. Yes, God is working in you to help you want to do what pleases Him. Then He gives you the power to do it. Now, our salvation is what we call an already not yet. When we first accepted, when we first uh, accept Christ, we are saved, right? But then our salvation is not complete. So here it says, keep on working on your salvation. We have to work, put in effort and also by the power of God to become more and more like Jesus Christ. That is our sanctification process. And when one day we die and when Jesus comes again, then we will have a new body. Ah, then uh, we may say our salvation is complete. But right now on earth, we have to put in effort to complete our salvation. And so in order to do this, we have to carry out our duty of obedience. Obey God and do what pleases Him. But is this easy? The Bible says the Christian walk is a narrow road. It is difficult and unpleasant. Salvation is free, right? But discipleship is costly. To become a Christian, very easy, right? Just say your, 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 uh, your prayer uh, of conversion. But to live like a Christian, ah, you are to love God more than your family, your loved ones. Easy, right? They not say anything. Eh? Of course, you can see, right? There are many people who serve in the church, but after they got married, they have family, then? Manadia? You cannot see them. Love your neighbors. Easy, right? 
if they are lovable, if they are good to us, right? But if they are nasty, you want to take revenge, right? Ah, but we are not supposed to take revenge. We are supposed to love our enemies. Not easy, right? We are to sacrifice and give up our rights for others for the sake of love. Giving up your rights. What you can do but you refrain from doing, you don't want to do because or you don't want to stumble your brother or sister. Forgiving others. Easy or not? Sometimes uh, you see in church, people just suddenly cannot get along with each other just for some minor, minor offences, you know. So that means forgiving is not easy. Ayah, now I'm not going to talk to this brother. Because that morning uh, when I came, uh, I said good morning to him. He didn't answer. Still playing with his phone. So from now on, I'm not going to talk to him. Wow. Hey, in church, all this happened. Huh? Ay, uh, such a minor thing, just forgive. Seeking forgiveness, easy or not? You, you offend someone, you say sorry. Say sorry, not easy. You, know? you look at the parliament, huh? the politicians and the MPs, uh, they talk nonsense, uh, uh, talk about race, uh, uh, very racist. Ask them to say sorry, they will say what? Ah, they take my words out of context. Ah, you, you reported wrongly. You mi misinterpret my words. All sorts of excuses, but no sorry. Right? Seeking forgiveness, also not easy. And we have to be patient. We have to control our emotions. Sometimes when you are angry, you want to say some vulgar words, but cannot. Huh? We have to be joyful in trials, in difficulties. We have to be generous in giving. And we cannot be lustful, we cannot be power crazy. We must break our bad habits. We have to regularly pray. Easy or not? Regularly read the Bible. Attend church. Easy? Quite easy, huh? I see you all, many here. Preach the gospel. I leave it to the pastor. Give tithes. You pay your tithes. If you didn't pay means you find it difficult, right? Again, money not enough. So, it's not easy to do what the Bible tells us to do. And then the Christian life is a constant struggle against sin because we are living in a sinful world. All sorts of temptations, and also, 
Sometimes all these difficulties come from God. God is constantly reshaping us, remoulding us, performing a plastic surgery on us to make us more and more like Christ. Surgery. Painful, no? So to live the Christian life at, as God intends, it's not easy. So we must always, we must continually draw upon the power of God. Now in times of deficiency and difficulties, the natural reaction is what? Grumble. I, uh, this stup my stupid boss uh, never give me a raise for so long. Doubtful. Wow, is God good? If God is good, how, can, uh, how come I'm in this situation? Or you get angry. Or you crave for all these needs to be met. This can be seen in the lives of the Israelites in the wilderness. At first, they had no water, so they grumbled. Then, no food, so they complained. Then, no meat, so they vented their anger on, at Moses. And in times of struggling to be a good Christian, we resonate with Paul who says this, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. There is a constant struggle. But Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, Though we often face adversity and struggles in our Christian life, we can depend on Christ for the power to endure to remain content and to do the duty of a Christian. Though in facing adversity and struggles, we are weak. We often succumb to sin. We often yield to temptations. Yet, in Christ, we become strong. You can say this to yourself. Philippians 4.13 I can face any adversity and struggles through Christ who strengthens me. Let's lastly look at our propositional statement. Christ's empowerment enables Christians who are encountering adversity and struggles in their Christian living to face them with contentment and perseverance. Contentment, satisfied with what God allows in your life, what God gives to you. Perseverance, keep on. Keep your faith. Keep on having faith in God without leaving for some other gods, right? Continue to depend on God and to have faith in Him. Okay, here are three questions for you to ponder. Do you, at present, find yourself in a situation of deficiency 
or difficulty. Next question. Are you struggling to be a good Christian? Not just a Christian, you know, really a, a Christian that God intends you to be, you know. And lastly, how do you think you can apply Philippians 4.13 to your Christian living? Okay, right now let's listen to this song. And thereafter, uh, time is given back to Pastor Mike.
Ooh.